0: On today's show, the motivational tools used by Tom Brady and Michael Jordan to ascend to the top of their sports. Before we get there, I want to give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. On Saturday, we have an ACC battle, not for the ages. Pittsburgh is hosting Clemson. I have bad news for everybody. Clemson has fallen off the face of planet Earth in a way that none of us could have ever imagined. The most successful team of the last decade alongside Alabama. They're actually not very good. They've lost to Georgia. They've lost to NC State. They've had the scrubbiest of wins against Georgia Tech, against Boston College, against Syracuse. They haven't been an underdog in an ACC game since 2014 until Saturday. That's why we are taking Pittsburgh minus three. Now, you're probably thinking Pittsburgh. Hmm. I don't feel great about that. Well, yeah, you shouldn't. Pittsburgh They're the ultimate team that zigs when you want them to zag. If you think they're good, they're going to play bad. If you think they're bad, they're going to play good. That's just how the Pittsburgh Panthers function when they play football. Now, this year, they've played great football. For the most part, one little exception, their only loss to the Western Michigan Broncos. What version of Pittsburgh are we going to get on Saturday against this version of Clemson? Does it even matter? I say no. That's why we are rolling with Pittsburgh Panthers. Minus three to beat the Clemson Tigers. We have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Because the ACC is the most unpredictable conference in the history of football. So let's trust in the team that symbolizes unpredictability more than any team in the nation. And now, sports with Chris Rawl. What motivates you? That is where we are going to start our show. That's where we're going to talk about the entire show. Uh, Just the idea of how do you become a better version of yourself? These are both never-ending questions for those of us who are continually looking to create positive change within our lives. I am that. I'm assuming that everybody who is listening is that. Just how can I be better tomorrow than I was today? Uh, when I think about these questions, what motivates me? How do I become better at the things that I value? Yeah, I'm asking those two things every single day in a variety of ways. Um, within my profession, simple, you know, how do I become a better writer? Well, you need to write, you need to practice. It's repetition over and over, it's reading, it's exposing yourself to just more words and information. That is going to help that process in general and then doing it over and over and over. That's how you become better. How do you become a better podcaster? It's the same idea. Um, You can hone in on little things. Don't say um as much like you just did. Don't say like as much. Speak clearly. Don't mumble over your words like you do sometimes. All those types of things. But ultimately, it's about getting in front of a microphone and doing it again and again and again and trusting in yourself to learn from your mistakes and try and get better. How do I become a better guitar player? It's the same thing. Just practice, play, stretch those nice meaty fingers that I have right here and work them up and down the fretboard over and over, play over and over, right? How do I increase knowledge? Something that I always am looking for more of. It's reading, it's going on the internet and reading all these sports articles. It's reading fiction in my own life or poetry, whatever you want. Doesn't matter, but one of the foundational principles of getting smarter and trying to better yourself in that area. It's just exposing yourself to information. Back when I used to play basketball, same thing. How do you become a better basketball player? What motivates you to be better? Uh, Yeah, I I just want to be good at this thing that I value doing. So I'm going to go and play pickup all the time and I'm going to shoot in an empty gym and shoot in my backyard when I'm a kid, all that kind of stuff. In present day, the most important thing for me, as I've spoken about and I'll speak about more, golf. What motivates me within that sport? Uh, How do I become better at that sport? Those are two things that I'm going to get into more as this show goes along. However, I want to take a quick detour and kind of bring the world of professional sports into things when it comes to motivational fuel and what you actually use to answer those questions and ultimately become a better version of yourself. Seth Wickersham is a writer for ESPN. He recently wrote a book about the New England Patriots dynasty. Belichick. Brady, everything that went into the last 20 years of that dynastic run. I haven't read it yet, but I was reading an ESPN article that was kind of summarizing some of the key points of the book because I'm interested by it. And I go, oh, I want to see what's going on in there before I actually read it. And there's a paragraph that I came across that ties in nicely to what motivates you at the very top of this sport, Tom Brady. Uh, And I want to share that paragraph with you right now that pertains to this Wickersham book that he wrote, uh, and this comes from ESPN. Toward the end of the dynastic run, Bill Belichick commissioned an internal study to examine the traits of transcendent athletes. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tiger Woods, and Tom Brady were interviewed, among others. The study revealed that while the motivations of the rest of the elite athletes centered around the themes of rage and manufactured conflict, Brady was different. He felt most at the peak of his powers, not when he was measuring the size of the chip on his shoulder, but when he was in a loving and supportive environment, Wickersham writes, end quote. So now we arrive at a very fascinating conversation that I'm going to have with myself uh, and with you listen that revolves around what motivates you and how you utilize that to become the best version of yourself and how it really ties into kind of one of the constant themes of this show that I love talking about. Uh, There's not really one particular specific correct way to do anything. What there is, is a lot of ways, and you kind of have to find the one that fits for you. So in this case, it kind of comes down to love versus rage. It's motivational fuel. Kind of fascinating that two Polar opposite emotions can be ridden to the same destination. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady. We're talking about three of the most iconic athletes of all time, each in their respective sports, basketball, golf, football, most successful people in their professions. If you said, who are the winners in each of these sports? I'll bet most people would say those people first and foremost, basketball, Michael Jordan, golf, Tiger Woods, football, Tom Brady. And yet they have arrived into that place in drastically different ways. Rage and manufactured conflict on that first side. Uh, loving, supporting environment on the second side. Now, I got very interested reading this because I finally found something in common with Tom Brady. Uh, it's very strange, I know. I'm the one person who's always pumping the brakes and saying, well, actually, and everybody hates it. Yeah, I get it. But I never would have guessed that the motivation that I utilize in my own life, the one that I found best suits my personality, my emotional temperament, all that kind of stuff, is the same one that suits Tom Brady. That quote within the ESPN paragraph felt most at the peak of his powers. That's the place that I've looked at in my own life when it comes to golf and said, how do I find that? Ongoing question. It's gotten easier with more experience, but it's still just a battle every day. Anyone who golfs competitively consistently knows this, but it's one that I've gotten a clearer picture of myself from years and years and years of experience Um, as I was trying to find my way. So I was trying to find what motivates me within this game. How do I become better? Uh, I've, I've tried the MJ Tiger side of things, which is not my normal temperament in life. I'm... Calm. I'm measured. Um, I come pretty much exclusively from a place of, I'm pretty happy and I like things that make me feel that way. And on the golf course, for reasons unknown, I was trying to tap into the opposite source. Get angry and I go, I want to be better. And I know it's right around the corner. I'd break a club and I'd break a phone and I'd push my push cart down and I'd throw a temper tantrum and I'd scream at the sky, shake my fist. Came Tried to manufacture conflict through this, this pattern of, of rage, being angry, saying, nah, be better in a way that Jordan has been able to master, in a way that Tiger and Kobe and people like that, like they perfected that mechanism as motivational fuel. Didn't work for me. So I reached the precipice and go, uh, I got to find something different. And slowly but surely, I kind of just thought about this because this is how I, I think I go, let's, let's use logic here. And how you are off the course, you need to bring on the course. That seems like the way that you would probably play your best golf. Let's try that out. And for me, it's the exact same as Tom Brady. When I'm at my best, when I'm in a position where I feel like I can succeed in whatever capacity that I am able to succeed in, it's a loving and supporting environment. Now, in golf, it's a little bit different from a team sport which makes it even cooler for somebody like me because I can control a lot of those things. Uh, it's an individual, singular game. So a loving, supporting environment in golf, it's going to be created by me. So I've kind of had to find my way in that respect. I'm still finding it, obviously. But when I go back to those two questions at the top of the episode, I've, tr- I've had to work my way through answers and semi-answers. What, vot- what motivates me in golf? That starts with just, I wanted to get better and I want to get better. And so then how do you go about doing that? Well, I found that in order to be the best version of myself, in order to fill the peak of my powers, as it's put in regards to Tom Brady, well, it can't be all about this ruthless, endless pursuit of, I just need to shoot the best score every day. And if not, then the sky is falling. Uh, I have to balance the, the capacity to get better with... This is something I enjoy and I need to feel that enjoyment every time I'm out there. Just the simple idea that I'm not a professional golfer. I'm not going to ever be a professional golfer. This is something I do as a hobby and in tournaments, whatever, but like they're amateur tournaments. The main point is what enables me to play my best golf when I know that I'm not a professional golfer, all that kind of stuff. There are two quotes that I think about in this respect that come from the very famous golf psychologist, Bob Rotella. The first one is play with the feeling that the outcome doesn't matter. The second one is find peace on the course. Now, I read those words a long time ago. And Rotella's, he comes from the the tree of simple wisdom that you read and go, that's kind of dumb. And then you get ingrained within the area that he's talking about, in this case, golf. And the simpleness of it takes on the profound truth. And you go, oh, okay, I get what this means. So I can try to get better nonstop. At the same time, I have to understand that the outcome doesn't actually matter. Okay, I, I, that's hard, but I understand the idea behind it. What's that second one? Oh, find peace on the course. Okay, that's that, that can click into mind even easier for somebody like me who naturally is looking at stuff around them and going, oh, how does this make me happy? Oh, okay, sweet. Why am I doing this again? Because it makes me happy. I'm going to go and look for more ways that this thing makes me happy. So with that in mind, I go, all right, I can go and shoot an 82. And I realize it's not a good score, but I mean, the world's not going to care. The outcome doesn't actually matter. A bunch of people are still going to die today. A bunch of other people are still going to be happy today. And I'm going to be sitting there with an 82 on the scorecard. That literally does not matter. Same thing on the good side. I could go and shoot a 67 today. And a lot of people are going to die. And a lot of other people are going to live and be happy. And I'm going to have a 67 on the scorecard. And what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's just it's just a, an individual achievement for myself and a way that I can measure progress within my own pursuit of being better and also just a way that I find enjoyment. So where does that peace and enjoyment come from? You you unravel the spool. You know, These, this is the way that my mind works. Question, answer, But that in turn means, what's the next question? Okay, let's ask that one. Where does that peace and enjoyment come from? It can be a score sometimes. Yeah, I'm always happy when I shoot a 67. That's a great achievement for myself. At the same time, when I buy into the first part of what Bob Rotel is saying, got to play with the feeling that the outcome doesn't matter. And if you have that feeling, you actually have to believe that the outcome does not matter. You have to show that in action uh that's something uh, that i abide by deeply words they're great but like you have to be that you have to actually show that so rather than having a feeling that the outcome doesn't matter you have to show that the outcome doesn't matter when i shoot an 82 and at the end of it i go well i had the feeling but uh, i'm still sour about this i got to go all right i'm going to congratulate the people in my group that played well and i'm going to leave and i'm going to go home and i'm going to you know settle down and watch tonight's Denver Broncos, Cleveland Browns game, and it's going to be bad, and I'm going to enjoy it, and I'll put a little money on it. That, that's just what's going to work. I'm not going to go home and and sit down and take it out on people in my life and be angry and sour and go. Ugh, this this is I, I can't be that. So then there are other areas, you know. The score okay comes and goes, but where else do you find peace and enjoyment from? How do I create a loving and supporting environment? On the golf course for myself, well, there's a lot of things that I can find there. I'm in nature. That's a great place to start. Nature, everybody likes it. Oh, look, the leaves are changing colors. It's beautiful. Little wind on my face, little sun coming down. Natural, natural antidepressant. I'm walking around. The grass feels great, picking it up, throwing it out, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's an enjoyable experience to be a part of outside of the outcome. The physical sound on an individual shot. The physical sound and feel. Got an eight iron in my hands and I just flush it right on the screws. Just that moment. That's something to hold on to and say, okay, this was worthwhile today. Just that one simple moment. Eight iron, ball comes off the club. It feels like you don't even hit it. Marshmallow going off into the sky. That's peace. That's enjoyment for me conversing with friends out there on the golf course. Hey, let's talk about last night's Coastal Carolina game. Can you believe they got upset? What about that jazz opener? All that kind of stuff. Exercise. I'm walking around, I'm swinging club, feeling good about using my body. Again, all simple things, but all ways that really help me create that environment for myself. Where ultimately, if I can do that over the course of years, then I go, oh, I'm able to really see improvement within myself in this area that I care about. And I'm also able to say, yes, I can say with absolute certainty that this is the way that I can feel at the peak of my powers. Not saying that they're Tiger Woods peak of the powers. Again, I'm an amateur golfer, all that kind of stuff. But for me specifically, when I feel the most, the peak of my powers, it's a loving and supporting environment tied into all that stuff that I'm talking about. So back to Tom Brady where this began. I'm very fascinated reading that just paragraph from ESPN because you understand that about Tom Brady and the move from New England to Tampa Bay makes a ton of sense in that context. New England has run their organization just with complete ruthlessness. The only thing that matters is winning. That is how they have won. Because Belichick is cutthroat when it comes to if you help our team, we have a place for you. If you do not, we do not. Simple. We'll trade away people who you think are good because we don't fill them right now and we'll get a draft pick back. Richard Seymour, somebody like that. New England has built their entire brand off of that. And Brady has utilized that environment to a bunch of super wins. It's helped him along. However, when Brady's talking about himself and saying, well, for me to feel like I'm at the best version of myself, what do I need? It's kind of a little bit something different. It's not necessarily what New England has. And as he went out the door and went to Tampa Bay, we gained a bigger understanding of that because some of the grievances that he aired were centered around that particular topic. Just uh, the motivational fuel that I kind of like and need, the thing that best suits me is just, I, I want to be in a loving, supporting environment. Kind of simple. What does that mean? Well, it means that I go to Tampa Bay and they rush to meet my needs at every turn. From the top to the bottom down, even just the most simple things that Brady has talked about where he goes, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, I get a seat at the table on personnel decisions. I'm not the final say, I'm not the GM, but when they're making stuff, when they're making a move, they come to me and say, yeah, what, what do you think about this? You know, okay, cool. You know, we'll take that into account. Oh, Brady you know, maybe has somebody that he would like on the roster, comes to him and says, hey, uh, is there any way we could sign Antonio Brown? I think he could help us. He's a friend of mine, that kind of stuff. And Tampa goes, okay, we'll look into that. And then they sign Antonio Brown. Again, very simple things. But when you're thinking about, oh, we're a big organization. We just brought in the winningest quarterback of all time. How do we put him in the best position to succeed? That's the kind of stuff that you do. Because you understand this is what Tom Brady desires. Now, I say all that stuff. And those of you who listen to this show consistently might be going, this sounds rather familiar because it should. There's another iconic quarterback currently playing in football, Aaron Rodgers. Who, as I thought about for this show, he kind of represents almost the hybrid between Love and rage in this equation of how do I find motivation? About three months ago, I would have said Aaron Rodgers is all aboard the Michael Jordan side of the spectrum. Fueled by rage. Just one of the greatest chip-on-his-shoulder athletes of my entire life. That's Ben Aaron Rodgers. He talks about it a bunch. Yeah, nobody nobody even wanted me in college. That's why I went and played at Butte Community College. And then still, after I balled out there, not, not a lot of people wanted me. And Cal offered me, so I went to Cal and played with Jeff Tedford and balled out there. And we had one loss my last season and took USC to the ropes right in the middle of their dynasty. They won on the final possession. And then in the NFL draft, guess what? Nobody wanted me. I was there sitting in the green room for 23 picks. Everybody thought I could be the number one pick. And I remember all those teams. He's talked about this. Remember every single team as I sat there. And ESPN just showed me alone in the green room because everybody else had been drafted. And I'd shift and look uncomfortable. And I think about that all the time. And the Packers drafted me at 24. And I said, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to play great football. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to remember this. And remember that every team had a chance to pick me, 23 of them. He's talked about it in a million interviews over and over. I still think about the San Francisco 49ers of that first pick. And it was between me and Alex Smith, and they chose Alex Smith. That was my hometown, Bay Area, San Francisco 49ers. They could have chosen me. He still mentions that when they play San Francisco every single time without Phil. That's just what Rogers has always been in his career. I need the chip on my shoulder and I'll go in. And I'll burn you to the ground. Now, Rogers comes across as a very thoughtful, very sensitive individual. Similar to Jordan. Rogers comes across as somebody who will take a slight about anything. Sometimes even manufacturing them. And turn that into his sole motivation for crushing you. Sound familiar? Should. Because it echoes one of the famous stories that came from the Last Dance documentary with Michael Jordan. Where he tells a story about a guy named LeBradford Smith. <laughs> and he tells a story of a game where they're playing against his team. Nobody even knows who this guy is. And M-Day doesn't play very good. And after the game, you know, he goes, yeah, that LeBradford Smith came up to me and... He said, nice game, Mike. Kind of scoffing at me. So the next time they're playing, he's telling his teammates this. And he's like, I'm going to burn this team to the ground. And he does. So all of his teammates are going, man, that's crazy. I can't believe that guy would say that to you. What was he even thinking? Like some unknown basketball player against Jordan at the peak of his powers. That's crazy. Who would even go about doing that? You let sleeping dogs lie. And after the fact, MJ's just like, "Uh, well yeah, actually, that wasn't even real. Like, I went after that guy individually in the game. He did. He he was going after LeBradford Smith based upon this story that he created out of thin air so he could create enough rage in his mind to just fuel him in that game over and over. That was MJ throughout his entire career. That's always how he functioned. We knew that at the time. It's threaded throughout all of the stories he tells in the last dance. It's just That's the way that Michael Jordan ascended to the top of his profession. Two different things, but Brady utilizes the love. Jordan utilizes the rage. Both go to the same place. So back to Rodgers and the familiarity of what Brady wanted with Tampa and what they've given him. I recorded a show in the offseason right after Rodgers came back to the Green Bay Packers and recorded preseason press conference. It's the best press conference that's ever existed in sports. Normally, they say nothing. And this, Roger said everything. It was just a dude talking about his feelings and why he has acted in a certain manner over the course of the last calendar year. And he brought up a long list of grievances. And this is where I got a greater sense of Rogers on the motivational spectrum and realized, oh, he uses both of these things. He needs a loving, supporting environment and he needs rage, both of them. I don't know which one he needs more, but as he starts talking in this press conference and he's bringing up grievances and I'm reading between the lines and sometimes he's just verbalizing it directly, I get the sense of, okay, this guy craves what I want within my own life and that I use within my own golf game, love and support in an environment. He talks about the same thing that Brady has gotten in Tampa Bay. Input on personnel moves starts there. Just, yeah, I think it's a little bit weird that, I mean, I've been the best player in football for a decade. And the Packers have never really came to me and just asked for my thoughts on something. Just like a simple, when you're trying to form a a relationship that's healthy, sometimes you just ask people, hey, what do you think about this? You know, granted, this isn't going to be Final say, but just what, what are your thoughts? He said, I never got that. You know, when Randall Cobb left, when Jordy Nelson left, he lists a bunch of people just people who are my friends, people who I thought could help the team, even if it was in just a leadership role. We could have paid them no money. They were veterans. They went and signed elsewhere for nothing, but maybe they could have helped us in that respect. At the very least, maybe just come and check in and say, hey, the best receiver on your team, Jordy Nelson. We're thinking we're probably just going to let him walk and he's going to go sign with the Raiders. I just want to let you know. Just simple stuff like that. Rodgers verbalizes that in this press conferences. Talks about, hey, I'm kind of an asset in the sense that I've been the best player in football for a decade and I play in Green Bay and I love it here. And I haven't been used as the asset that I am. Free agents don't really want to come to Green Bay because it's here in Wisconsin and it's cold as hell. There's a lot of other places that a professional athlete would probably rather spend their time. Do you know what the one lure is that we can dangle? That I know because I've talked about this with players in my workouts and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what that is? It's that I play for this team. And the organization has never used that. They've never said, hey, let's work in unison together to where Rodgers uh, maybe let's come and, and pitch so-and-so and we can get a better wideout or we can get a better defender, this or that. Just simple stuff that creates a two-way system of love and support within an environment. Not treating veterans with respect, another one of the things that Rogers talks about, which as I was hearing so much of this stuff, I was I was enlightened and also frustrated because a lot of the things that were problematic with his relationship with the organization. They came down to just simple relationship principles. Uh, when somebody does really good things for your organization, rather than just cut ties with them when they don't maybe have their best skills anymore, you go to people like, he He mentions Julius Peppers and Charles Woodson and Clay Matthews and a bunch of others, who the Packers just kind of said, yeah, just, you know, you're not what you once were. We don't really need you in a football sense. Just get out of here. He's just like, ah, eh. In a loving, supporting environment, how do you treat people like that? What do you treat them with? You treat them with respect. Even if they're leaving, you go, okay, you're leaving for reasons X, Y, and Z. We want you to know that you were loved while you were here. And for these reasons, we're not going to be resigning you, just being clear and transparent. So I say all those things and if we go back to Tom Brady and I go, yeah, okay. I mean, that's all of the stuff that Tom Brady has utilized or that Tampa has utilized with Tom Brady. Use him as the lure. Give him a seat at the table. Talk to him. Make him feel loved. Make him feel supported. Things that all human beings crave. And some people, that is the thing that they need more than other specific things. Tom Brady, he's one of them. Rodgers, he needs that more than I would have thought prior to this offseason. Then he speaks up and says that, and I go, oh, okay. That's more of a humanistic side than I would have expected from a dude who I know comes from the Michael Jordan camp of rage and conflict. So I'll go back to Jordan. Just the most iconic athlete in sports that I associate with rage. I associate with just a scorched earth mentality that he brought in From day one in the NBA until the day he left. If you want a good grasp of Jordan, go and watch his induction speech into the Hall of Fame, where usually everybody's just like, oh, I'd like to thank, you know, my wife and my kids and my coach, and it was a great time playing basketball, and I'm glad I won this championship, and wow, really incredible, I'm in awe that I was uh, able to just have a career like this, you know, just your normal stuff. Kind of boring, honestly. Jordan's was the opposite. Jordan's was kind of scintillating because it was unfiltered Michael Jordan. He couldn't turn that part of him off. His entire Hall of Fame speech, it's just a long list of grievances and people who wronged him that he used in order to burn the NBA down. This person cut me when I was in eighth grade, and that person tried to stop me in this particular game, and you did this, and you did this and you did this. And and he never really stopped. And then he's just like, yeah, that's And I'm in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) It was the perfect window into how Jordan became what he was. He perfected the art of taking rage and using that as gasoline in the engine. And doing it every single day. That's why so many people, more than the championships with Jordan, I think why so many people hold him in high esteem, especially in context of present-day NBA where... You got a rest day and you're maybe not trying as hard today. Jordan just brought it all the time because that's the only way he knew how. When you're manufacturing rage and conflict at every turn, you'd show up for a January game against the Bullets and LeBradford Smith and say, How am I gonna just play out of my mind in this game in the same way that I would in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals? I'm gonna make up this story about this guy and I'm gonna go after him ruthlessly. Like a uh, dog with blood on its mouth. That's how I'm going to play my career out. So this is interesting for this whole discussion because now we wrap everything together and I go back to my own professional golf game and I go, well, there's no right or there's no wrong. There's just finding what works for you. And that Jordan style of motivation, I have Very close friend who I golf with all the time, who's a very calm, measured individual off the course, much like myself, happy, enjoys stuff. And yet the way that he has to play his best golf is polar opposite of mine. I'm on the Brady side. He's on the Jordan side. We've had this conversation a bunch. Just, oh, it's kind of interesting. Like we can't function in the opposite environment. It's not necessarily good for us. The way that I have to shoot a 68, it's all the things I spoke about. It's me staring at the clouds going, what a beautiful, Did that it look like a Ferrari to any of you? Oh man, these leaves and oh, did you feel that? Do you ever get that feeling when you hit a chip? Just perfect. Just this weird stuff that I need. And then he's on the other side and when he's playing his best golf, he comes out and he misses a shot a little bit and he helicopters a wedge into a tree and gets it stuck. And, and he misses a putt from 10 feet and he f- smashes his putter against his push cart and smashes it up and down and tosses it into a lake. I've seen all this happen, which if just any random observer saw, they go, this is a crazy person. And yet at the same time, we get to the end of the round and I go, yeah, I shot a, oh, I shot a 69. That's a great round for me. What'd you shoot? He goes, I shot a 69 and I feel good about that. And we've gotten to the same destination in drastically different means. So back to the professional world, Brady has ruled the NFL for two decades. Needs a loving, supporting environment. That's how he motivates himself. Michael Jordan, he ruled the NBA for over a decade. He took rage and manufactured conflict. That's what I need to motivate myself. Why I like to talk about this, why I think today's conversation is really interesting is just it leans into the idea that there is no correct one-size-fits-all when it comes to virtually anything, in this case, motivation. Everybody always looks for the, the golden key. Well, what worked for you? Well, that's going to work for me. And I go, I can tell you what worked for me, but it's it might be exclusive to me. I don't know. It might help you, but ultimately if you're listening to this and you're you're thinking about it in terms of your own life, it's up to each individual. It's up to each individual. Uh, You're the person who has the best understanding of yourself. So with that in mind, okay, you can intake all this information. You can throw darts at the dartboard, see what fits. You can try to pattern yourself after Brady or Jordan. That's great. You know, you can read a bunch of self-help books. Great. Sure. Maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. But ultimately... As the person with the greatest understanding of yourself, you kind of have to follow the path that I've followed, that all of these people have followed, because you are going to be the person who finds the answer to that question. What motivates you? Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at CEO.com.